Hey guys, welcome to the Casey Catch-Up. Stoked to have Alex Aguera, the founder of GoFoil and really modern day foiling, join me for the call this time. We spoke about his beginnings, how he got into water sports and how he basically invented foiling, modern day foiling with uh, teaming up with Kyle Lenny and, and how that whole process of him learning to downwind went. We also go into a bunch of stuff on how he learned to downwind himself, how he learned to foil himself, and the, the process of him learning to adjust his foils to increase performance. We also go into a bunch of power digging stuff, him learning the downwind foil, um, being led by Dave Kalama, and the difference between power digging, which is like racing downwind, versus free wing, winging downwind, which is, you know, more flowing and surfing whereas power dinging is more of like a sailing sort of thing so thanks for, thanks alex for tuning in and um, i did get up super early for this chat it was about quarter to six and I, you know i did shower and i washed my face and i got ready to go but i was still super tired um you'll see when you, you watch the next bit and you can hear it too um so for a bit of a laugh why don't you guys comment a time within the chat that you think i finally woke up because I was pretty asleep to start with. So, yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in and enjoy the chat with Alex Segura, Mr. Gofoil. Thanks for joining us. Um, it's um, early my time, but uh, it's about, what is it, 10 a.m. your time over there in Hawaii? So um, Yeah, 10 a.m. Yeah, I got up bright and early for you, so it's good um, to <laughs> chat here from Mr. Gofoil himself. Um, but, yeah, it's been, been a while since we've caught up, but... Um, I'm loving using the GoFoil stuff and sounds like you've got some exciting stuff to release too. But um, I wanted to start with a bit of a background into how you got into to water sports to start with. Into water sports? Let's see. Uh, we were uh, doing a vacation down in the Virgin Islands. My dad took and my mom took us on a vacation as a family vacation back in 1975. And we're on sailboats and we weren't going from island to island hopping in the British Virgin Islands, you know, it's, it's a fun thing to do. But our captain had this windsurfer thing and he would cruise around in the one, uh, it's called Sofer's Hole. It's one of the, the little, you know, anchorages over there where we took off with the boat. We're like, man, what the heck is that? And my dad, you know, asked when we got back to the, to the mainland and to the US and he called up Windsurfing International and got a hold of Foil Schweitzer and said, hey, I'd like to buy a couple of those for my kids, you know, to try and, you know, try this new sport of windsurfing. He goes, hey, if you buy six of them, we'll make you a dealer. And that's how it all started. <laughs> wow. No way. So that's, that was over in the Atlantic Ocean. And, and how'd you end up over in Maui? In Maui, I was, uh, you know, I, I got into windsurfing in 1975. We were an original windsurfer design and we did a bunch of the races. We were going to the world championships and the nationals and all that kind of stuff. And we were really into windsurfing. That was all our whole life. It now started revolving around windsurfing. And then uh, we were at the, the world championships in 79 in Florida and Clearwater, which is where I come from. And Mike Waltz, had, who I had already known from a couple of the big races over the years, came in and goes, Alex, you got to come see this place. I found this new place. The wind blows all the time. There's waves. There's nobody around. And what he was describing was, you know, Hokipa back in the early days. And I said, okay, we'll, we'll plan a trip because we had to go to the Pan Am World Cup in Kailua that year. So we planned it all around going to see Mike early. 
after I went to Maui, it was six weeks with my brother. We're, we're with uh, Mike Waltz at his house up in Haiku, which is really close to the cannery nowadays. The house is long gone, but we're in an old funky house. And for six weeks, the wind never dropped below 15 knots. <laughs> we're like, oh my God, you're kidding me. Cause we're in Florida where you're just hoping the wind will blow, you know, once a week or once every two weeks and get to do something. So it was like, I'm gonna sell everything and I'm moving to Maui. So by 1982, I'd moved my whole thing over there to you know pursue being a professional windsurfer. Awesome, great story. And, and I think a lot of people, a lot of windsurfers, you know, Maui was the Mecca and kind yeah. of still is. Is that, is that right in saying that? It's still a bit of a Mecca for, for windsurfing. Yeah, if you're in the top elite windsurfing crew, uh, Hokipa is still the main windsurfing break in the world, I would say. Yeah, it's amazing to just sit and watch Hokipa when it's windy, when all the windsurfers are out there, because the stuff that the windsurfers are doing nowadays, and probably you guys were doing back in the day too, is ridiculous. You, you would never think that that's possible even on a windsurfer, but yeah. yeah. And then you from can... there, you got into kite foil racing. Is that right? Uh, first, we started doing kiting, and then you know, once kiting came up, the, the it took me a while to get into kiting. I watched for the first year or two with uh, Elliot and Lou Wyman and Laird and Manu uh, Bertan. All these guys were learning how to 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 kite at Hokipa. They had funny reels on their wings and everything, and there was no rules yet. We could still launch from Hokipa. And I'm like, I'm not doing this until you guys can get back to the beach you started at. You know, it took them a while before they could go, you know, 90 degrees and get back. Yeah. So after a year or two, those guys started getting back to where they started. And then I jumped into kiting from watching. I think one of the main things was watching uh, Flash back in the early days, boosting big jumps and coming down real soft. And I'm like, wow, I want to do that because our wind server, you get that high, you come down hard. It's, mm. you know, there's some crashing and you jump 30 feet in the air and it's like, oh no, this is not going to be have, fun on the yeah. landing. He was making it look easy. So that got me into kiting. But then after years and years, I got into kite. I got out of kiting, started playing a lot of golf and I was just windsurfing <laughs> again, long story short. Then I get back into uh, kite racing because Jesse Richmond told me, he goes, hey, can you design me some boards? And I was always a windsurf uh, race board designer at the time where I was making it for some of the top guys in the, in the world. After I stopped being a pro racer, I was designing boards for Kevin Pritchard and Michael Designus. And Jesse knew this. He's like, Hey, can you design us a board? I'm getting beat by girls on the race course. So <laughs> that kind of got me back into kiting again. So I went kite racing, then kite foil racing a couple of years later, and that's how I got into the foils was from kite foil foiling. It was a funny story with that is that we were always doing kite uh, speed races in Martha's Vineyard with a friend of mine, Rob Douglas, who used to be the world record holder for sailing. He went uh, 56 knots or something on the 500 meter course with a kite. This is before, uh, you know, they broke his record with uh, what was the name of the other boat? Uh, sail Vestas rocket which now goes amazing fast but anyway he was the world record holder and he he gives me this foil he says hey I'll give you this foil if you make me a board for it and I go okay we'll do a trade I'll make you a kite foil board 
And uh, I got the foil and that's how I started. He gave me this rickety old foil that kept falling <laughs> apart on me and I had to keep putting it back together. And that's how I got into making foils because I had to start from scratch, figuring out how to you know, build this thing because it kept falling apart. Yeah, ah, perfect. that's a really good segue to go into. And then fast forward to 20, or was it 2012, 2013? And, and you, Kai releases his video of, of him using your foil downwind wow. on a race board. Yeah, that was actually 2016. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it seems right, like actually. it's distant yeah. past, but it was that really was, in 2016. Wow. Yeah, five years ago. Yeah. What happened was I had given Kai some of my kite foiling stuff for him to, we tried to put it on one of his stand-up uh, surfboards to ride in the waves and see if he could paddle it downwind or whatever he could do with it. But we were using a kite foil. And it didn't work that well. And then he comes back to me about six months later and he goes, hey, Alex, we got to work on this downwind foiling. I think I can do it. I go, well, what happened with the, the kite foil? And he goes, well, it was kind of dangerous and I didn't have enough lift. And I go, okay, let me try and think of something and, and I'll see what I can come up with and then we'll try it again. And so I went two weeks coming up with all kinds of ideas and I'm like, you know, I never thought about it before, but I'm thinking, hey, we're going to make big, fat, thick foil sections that will lift up, you know, a bigger load at slower speeds, basically, you know, like aircraft wings, mm -hmm. you know, on the big, you know, jets that, you know, transport tanks and stuff. I'm like, yeah, this this will probably work. This, you know, but nobody had tried it before. It's like I couldn't believe, you know, all the Frenchies. They were the big guys with our kite foils back in the day. Mm -hmm. And we were only interested in racing. It was like thin foils, let's go as fast as possible. We were always trying to get faster. We weren't trying to get slower. Mm. So I worked on this thing, reshaping one of the kite foils and it ended up being the original Kai model foil. And um, I, I, I call up or I tried to get a hold of Kai, I'm texting him because he wasn't answering the phone. And I'm like, finally get a text back and he goes, oh, I'm in California. I'm on my way to uh, France to do the indoor windsurfing with Robbie Nash. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, when you get back, we'll, we'll, you know, check it out. I'll try and ride it in the meantime. So I go down to Sugar Cove and go out. And I remember paddling out uh, on my stand up. I put a, a, a tunnel box about 24 inches forward on my 8.6 original stand up board that I was riding at the time. And my dentist Barkley was there and the, and the Finn and Jeffrey were in the water. And I go out and I proceed to catch the first wave. I get up and I, I've got lift now. So we, we got rid of one of the problems. I was like, holy shit, this thing comes up. But then I would rail over and almost see the wings on my face. So I was like flipping it over and I'm like, oh no. And then I, I was like, now I understand why Kai said it was dangerous. Mm. So I'm like, Okay, back to the shop, cut the mast in half. It went from my 38, 39 inch kite foil to an 18 inch mast the next day. I go back down to lowers at Kanaha and try it again the next day. And I make a little video with my GoPro where I'm actually foiling now. I'm kind of in control and I'm cruising. I go like, you know, 50 yards and it's like, oh my God, this is working. And uh, I send the video, I put it on Facebook and I tag Kai. And Kai's like, all right, I'm going to try it right when I get back. And then what happened was Kai came back. We put him on my same board, the whole same setup. 
And within about an hour, Kai is doing stuff that we take for granted now. But the first time you see somebody take off, they're not even close to the peak. They're way over on the left or the right. Come back across the peak in front of the white water, go over to the other side. And you're like, what the hell is he doing? He's not even surfing anymore. He's all over the place. And the first time you see that, you're like, oh, my God, what's going on here? And it was just amazing. You know, and I was like, hey, maybe I should patent this. You know, this is this could get big. And then uh, about a week goes by and he's like, OK, I'm, he's trying to talk Robbie Nash into being able to use one of the 12 sixes. And we can put a tunnel box in it so we can use it for what the ultimate plan was. He wanted to foil downwind. So finally, Robbie gives him permission. Okay, you can you can put a you can experiment with this one one of his boards. So we put a tunnel box in it. Kaiska says, "Hey, I think it's right about where I'm standing. That's about 48 inches from the tail." He goes, "I think right there is going to be the spot." So we put it at 48 inches, and he goes down to the harbor and he comes back with this text going, "Houston, we have a problem." And I'm like, "Oh, what the heck does that mean?" And he's like. I'm getting going plenty fast enough to foil, but the tail is hitting the water and it's stopping me from going up. I can't get up. So I, I recommended, hey, let's chop the tail off and the, the tunnel box will be at you know 24 inches like it is on the other board. You'll be able to get up. And he's like, no, 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 no. Let's just put another tunnel box in. So I go, okay, we'll, we'll just put another tunnel box in. Just come to the shop in the morning. So Kai shows up at the shop in the morning. He goes, I think you're right. Let's just cut the tail off. So we cut the tail off and put a little diamond tail on the, the original one. We're trying to, you know, get something to make it release a little better. And then that's, that's, it's history after that. About a week later, Kai is going so fast downwind on some of his videos that he decides I'm going to make a video and put it on Facebook. And the first thing he did was put a picture up. And that's the first thing that he released. There was a picture of him and he's foiling downwind and everybody is making comments. Oh, this is some of my old buddies that are kite foilers and stuff are chiming in going, that is not possible. I'm trying to give me a French accent because I don't <laughs> want to say who it was, but yeah. that is not possible. We have already tried this and it does not work. That is Photoshop. And about a day or two later, Kai releases the video of the same thing. And now you can see that he's actually doing it. And then a couple of weeks later, I go looking for those comments and my buddies have all deleted their comments. Like, that wasn't me, man. I didn't say that. So it, it went crazy. He got 5 million views in one week on that. I was like, well, then every, all, everything changed about foiling with surfing and downwind and everything after that. Yeah, I remember I was in Maui at the time and we, I just raced Olakai. So the stand-up um, downwind race and... And, you know, we're all looking for results and Kai's photo and video comes up. We're like, what's this? And he's, it's just like, everyone forgot about the race. Everyone's looking at Kai's video and thinking, how's he doing this? And yeah, it was, it was one of those moments, you know, that everyone remember, that I remember, that it's like that changed everything and um, crazy. It, what a story. You know, it's, it's changed everything. Um, the, the one thing that got my, I've got the business in with my brother-in-law's. So I, uh, I asked them, they make all the canoes and the one man's and two man's and unlimited canoes. He's got a big business doing that. He's got a couple of different, you know, boat builders that are all built at the factory. And I go to Michael and I go, hey, Michael, I got this new thing that's working pretty good. You want to build the foils at the factory? And then I showed him that video 
And Kai is going by Dave Kalama and Junior in the two-man canoe. That's one of his canoes. And that's the fastest thing in the water over here, downwind. And he goes right by them. He's like, oh, my God, are you kidding? What's going on here? He goes, okay, we're all in. We're going to do this. That's, that video convinced Michael uh, Giblin, my brother-in-law, to, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll pursue this. Yeah. Uh, good you got that footage then. Yeah. Kai, yeah. Um, he was, couldn't believe that. Yeah. You actually, um, it was probably six months later, I was over in Maui for a stand-up race. And you were, I think we were down Kite Beach or somewhere. And I was introduced to you by the, the, the Spencer boys. And he gave me my first, uh, Vinny and I, a Brazilian kid. We, you lent a board and a foil to us. And we just, you know, dicked around all week before the lead up to the race. And, um, you know, it wasn't the best race preparation because we were just eating shit for, <laughs> <laughs> for the whole week. And we, we managed to get enough of a glide by the end. I said, Alex, I'm buying one. You know, week and you're like, oh, well, production's not quite there yet, but you know, we'll send you one in a couple months. And I was like, here's my money, take it, you know, whatever. Um, and and that's and then that whole summer back home, you know, January, December, uh, December, January, February, I was just what, what turned foil brain. I was just doing nothing else. All I did was foil. And I think a lot of people yeah. have um, have felt that exact same thing. So thank you, mate. <laughs> it's been a wild ride. So so far and i guess yeah, that was a little bit about um your experience foiling so you, you started surf foiling and then i remember when i went to maui i think it must have been 2017 july you were downwinding on this i want to call it 10 foot by i don't know it was a rectangle it was a rectangle of a board yeah. i think that's my first flight downwind um with the with that board yeah, that was the some of the early days of me trying to go downwind. The um, you know Kai made it look so easy that it's like, oh yeah, I could do this. Well, it isn't that easy, and especially Kai was using our original Kai wing, which is not very big too. Mm. And he would get up on that thing and just fly, and it's like I had no way that, that I could get up. So I'm making all these boards, trying to you know that was the one of the early boards where I thought, okay, I'm gonna make it a little bit shorter than what. Uh, Connor was riding some 12 six or something that we had put a total box in and he could do it. Of course, Connor and Kai are two of the best paddlers like you in the world. It's like, do you think that you could do it? No, there's no way I could do it. <laughs> in fact, uh, I never got up on that board more than like 10 feet. You know, it was like, Oh God, this is a struggle. I needed a way of breaking to push me in to actually get up. It's yeah. funny. We had a story with, uh, we had a shark attack problem with that board when we were first riding it. I couldn't get that. up. I give it to Connor. Connor takes off. He's foiling all down the coast. He goes about a quarter mile, turns around to come back to me because I can't get foiling on his his 12 six or whatever that that blue board was. And uh, on the way back, some shark grabs onto the tail wing on, on his board, trying to break it off. And Connor falls half in the water, half on the board. He was like, this was a 10 foot shark. And I'm like, I didn't realize what was going on. You know, I finally paddled down to those guys. I'm so far behind and it was him, Ryan, and I think Zane. And they're all like, Oh, shark. There was this. Da, da, da. So we do an hour paddling down to sugar cove. Nobody's foiling anymore. And just looking around going, Is he still <laughs> hunting us or what? <laughs> so, yeah. so I go to the shop and, and painted him a different color than black the very next day. <laughs> I was like, I'm no more black foils. Because <laughs> it looked That's like a stingray underwater. Yeah. 
Yeah. They look so like bait. Yeah. So the original ones were black and then you, you've changed them all to sort of red and blue now. Yeah, we got blue and reds and they were always, it was been blue or red. <laughs> always blue or red. Yeah. Not black like a stingray. Yeah. Yeah. A stingray. <laughs> like the whole way we were paddling, I'm looking at the foil going, it looks like a stingray. You know? <laughs> it was like, yeah, no, there's a reason that. why that guy bucked. <laughs> yeah. Plus, it was the early days where a shark hasn't seen a foil yet. You know, so he was probably curious. Now we don't have that problem because they've probably seen it a bunch, you know, and they're like, oh, that's one of those things that doesn't taste very good, you know. Yeah. So or in the beginning, they were like, hey, I'm going to sample that. I've never seen that before. Mm. Yeah. So you, you, so I, I tried to downwind the, um, the Kai foil um, over in, in uh, Western Australia, the King of the Cut run, which is probably the best run they've got. I was trying on a thing was like a seven foot, like a surf's up. And I think I got up maybe twice in about eight Ks. It was horrible. I get Matt Kai is, you know, Kai's a freak. Um, it made it look so easy. And uh, Matt Nodich and I were trying to get going. And yeah, like I said, I got up once and I didn't even link, get close to linking a bump. It was, um, all, it didn't put me off, but it, you know, I was humbled, that's for sure. And then I remember coming back and you saying, oh, we got this new wing. It's called the Maliko. It's, it's a bit bigger. And that first blue Maliko, which was pretty small still, was the first yeah. one that, that I'd learned to downwind on. And, and then, you, you know, the, the, the new sort of curved Malikos came out and then the GLs and yeah, the rest is history. It's, it's sort of exploded since then and the wings just get better and better. Um, right. when did, what was the first foil that you learned to downwind on, like that you made yourself, obviously? I think I couldn't really get up until I got onto uh a Maliko 200 and a Maliko 280. Mm. It was like, I needed something giant to actually get up. I'd get up on the 280, but it was so slow. I couldn't go anywhere. Mm. It's like, okay, I'd connect for about, you know, a hundred yards and then I'm dead now. I've been pumping so hard and paddling. It's like, okay, I'm done for the rest of the run, you know, Especially with the Maliko, the Maliko run, everything's so yeah. fun. Yeah. Well, we weren't in the beginning, we weren't doing the full Maliko run. What we do, we go out of Kuau, we figured out that we go Kuau to Sugar Cove. So if it all goes bad, we just blow into the beach. It's yeah. like, yeah, okay, it's about an hour and 20 minutes if you don't get up at all, you know, and you just kind of, you can sit on your board and freaking blow into the beach. <laughs> so in the beginning, it was really, really hard for me. And even Dave, when Dave was first learning, uh, he must have gone maybe 20 times. And I remember him telling me, if it doesn't start working out soon, I'm quitting. It's over. I can't do this. And then one day he's, he like connected. He got about three minutes on a glide. He goes, Oh my God, I kind of, I kind of got a glide today, you know? And then a couple of days later, it's like, I've, I've linked up, you know, three or four different five minute, you know, link ups. And he was just like, it was started to get better. But even Dave, you know, was like, oh, I'm about ready to quit this. That's how hard it was in the beginning with the equipment we had. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's amazing how I remember when I got the, when I went from the original Maliko to the Maliko 200, it made it so much easier. And then the Maliko 280, I was paddling up in the flat. I was racing guys yeah. on stand ups, being like, come on, guys. Yeah. Let's go. Um, yeah, I remember that one race you were winning with the Maliko 280 in the flat water. Yeah. <laughs> Fully cheating. It was too, yeah. It was, um, yeah. some, it blew a lot of people's minds. That was the first time a lot of people saw foiling. And that was a cool way to sort of show it off. Um, yeah. in, in the full-on flat water um 
But yeah, so when did it click for you? Because you said Dave had a bit of trouble. And I remember I came, I think it was probably maybe 2018 and, and you were downwinding. Yeah, I think it was about 2018 when I first started to, you know, get some good runs in. Because I went a whole year with just suffering. I'd do like 20 different runs that year, you know, and not do very well. And my wife had come pick me up, you know, and she's like, well, see you in a good mood today or a bad mood? <laughs> Usually it was a bad mood. Yeah. You know, like I'm not getting anywhere. And I was always changing, you know, something to try and see if it, it would get better. Changing boards, changing tail wings, you know, changing front wings. And then uh, I made a Maliko that I redid the foil section so it wasn't so thick. So it was a little bit faster to where I could keep up with the waves. And then finally, I was starting to go pretty far downwind. And, and you're always doing the Maliko run? Did you ever do any Kihei runs? Uh, yeah, the Kihei run is, is really fun. That's a lot easier. When it's a good day, mm. it's much easier. The waves mm. are real steep and they're closer together and it's easier to stay with it because it's moving a little slower. So yeah. you can paddle into it. Where the Maliko run on the real good days, you can't catch those big giant bumps. They're going way too fast. You got to catch a little one, get up to speed before you try to drop in on one of those bombs. And in the first days, we didn't know that. It was like, oh, here comes a big one. Let's go, let's go, let's yeah. go. It's like, no, don't waste your time. And finally, you figure out that you need to know, you have to have some experience with it to, to feel the glide, the, whether you're getting lifted up and whether you should try to go on that wave. Otherwise, you waste all your energy and now you're done. You know, the rest exactly. of the run, especially at my age, you know, you it was like, oh, I, I try about 10 times to get going. And then I'm like, OK, I'm cruising the rest of the way. I'm just paddling into the beach now. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but um, you, it's a learning experience for sure. And, and you know, the Kihei run is such a special like Maliko and Kihei. They're probably two of the best downwind runs you can do in the world right at your doorstep. And the Maliko you think would be better because there's more energy. There's more you know, water moving and then the, but the key is like just so perfectly lined up yep. that it makes it easier for sure. It's definitely, it's groomed way for if you haven't, you know, been able to do stand up paddling, you go to Kihei on the good days, it makes it way easier to get, you know, something out of your first runs, you know. Mm. And that's the same for, I guess, anywhere in the world. Like if you think about an ocean run with lots of swell or a bay run with lots of wind, the bay run with lots of wind is going to be better or the ocean run with less swell and more wind is going to be better because there's like less interference especially when you're starting and as you get better it seems like the windier it is and the more swell you, you can kind of start to tap into the ocean swells as you get better but starting out the ocean swell is just a distraction yeah exactly it is a distraction you're, you're looking at the wrong stuff that you should be trying to catch mm. you need that yeah. little teeny one you know to push you and catch you and it's easier to find that inshore, you know, like at the gorge or something. They got steep, yeah. you know, steep little waves. And it has something to do with, uh, you know, Kihei having a, a shallower water depth, a, a less of a fetch to build up. So it doesn't have those big spread apart, fast moving swells. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely easier to shorter chops are easier for the beginner. Yeah. And I think even as you get going, like uh, I find the shorter period stuff is it's almost more fun because you can kind of surf a little, you know, you're not running over them as much. You can kind of surf a bit more and yeah. you're not going as fast, but it doesn't matter because you're just, you know, you're just loving it. It's easier. Yeah, to reach. You can kind exactly. of surf a bit more. There is something about the ocean runs where you just hook onto an ocean swell and you just go so fast. 
um, just last or a couple of days ago, I took out the um, TKR 170 and, and downwinded that for about 20 kilometers. And it was crazy how fast you can go straight with it up and over swells. It actually, it wants to go faster than anything else you can find, it's, it seems. And as soon as you go slow it, it's like, get me going fast again, you know, trying to pump it. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know fun. how you ride that thing. That thing is so small. Yeah. So like, I asked that because like, you got to be a hell of a paddler to get that thing going. So, so I tried paddling it up once and I, I almost got stuck out to sea. So I decided I'm not going to paddle. I'm going to wing. And so I'm winging, deflating, and I ride the, the bumps for as long as I can. And if I come down, I've got a pump in my back, backpack. I pump up the wing and I get up again and I find that's probably a safer bet than trying to paddle that wing up because it is so small. And so that's yeah. something I'm exploring. Like to test wings downwind, it's 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 an option. It's not perfect it's not for a, everyone. But it's a, you've got options to get back to shore if it all goes wrong. <laughs> exactly. And especially this the last couple of days, the wind's been a little bit offshore. So yeah. If a paddle, you get a little bit worried if you're starting to head out to sea. With a wing, you're like, oh, it's okay. I can just wing back to shore. It's not an issue. Yeah. yeah so that's been. I saw your like, videos. That's pretty cool. Just uh, okay. We put my wing in my backpack, and then when I if I need it again, I'll pull it out. <laughs> yeah. So and that's with the paddle. But I found I don't even have to put the wing in the backpack anymore because you just hold it under your arm like this. Pack oh, yeah. up. You know, by putting it in the backpack, you've just got to do one more thing. If you come down, you got to take it out of the backpack. So I was like, oh, what if I just hold onto the wing and hold it under my arm? <laughs> They come down, I just grab the pump and pump it up. That's not too bad. <laughs> it's your little rugby ball here going down the coast. Yeah, it's like a rugby ball, exactly. <laughs> Try to wrap it up as best you can. Good. So it's getting a bit off topic, but I guess um, you, you, when I was in yeah, 2018, you were doing heaps of downwind runs and, 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 you, were, and you were on the Maliko 200. Um, what, what are you using now downwind because I know you do still paddle a little bit downwind but you're more into the winging at the moment but when your last downwinder what what equipment were you using the last downwinder i was on the piano 185 and then there's a newer one that'll come out that i'm testing that's gonna be similar size to the piano 185 that you like that mm -hmm. i'm trying to see if you know how that one's doing downwind dave liked it downwind he did really well it was really good in the slower uh, days when it was light wind and then uh, I seem to do pretty well on it too. I, but just Dave baffles me with how fast he goes. It doesn't matter what wing he's on. He just gets momentum or something. He just, he just hooks. I remember, yeah, yeah going I, with him. And he, I went, we did a KA run with you and Dave um, probably when I was over there last. And yeah. you and Dave took a, took a while to get up. And I'm like, oh, this could be a long run. And I'm just sort of zigzagging, zigzagging. And then you get up and then Dave gets up. And Dave just, you know, in the small bumps, he's sort of laboring a little bit. And then all of a sudden, he just took off. And I'm like, Alex, see ya. I'm chasing Dave. Yeah, and just trying to stay with him. Try to stay he with him. That guy. Yeah. Once he yeah. gets going and he gets a good speed, like it's, he's, I guess it's reading the bump and then holding your speed for, for you know, keeping it up high on the mast and maintaining speed through all the bumps. But he was, yeah. Yeah, you're starting with him like, oh, this guy's going to take forever. And then he gets going and it's like, I can hardly see him anymore. He's a dot on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. it was um, it was cool to do a damn window with you guys. Um, and then what, what board are you using? Because that's something that a lot of people have struggled with. And I guess, tell me about the progression of, of that board I first started on was like a 10 foot 
aircraft carrier, I called it, and you, yeah. you just put a little bit of rocker in it. You're like, try this, James. You're like, doesn't work. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. now what are you on? Because I know Dave's on a pretty narrow board. Yeah, Dave's on a pretty narrow board. Uh, he always rides these. They're really thick. They're narrow, and they're kind of gunny looking. Mm-hmm. He can ride the same board prone paddling when he's got those paddles on that he, he plays with. Yeah. And um, Have you and played with that? Getting, no, <laughs> that's that's a little technical for me. I can barely stand up, you know, off of my, yeah. my knees anymore. And it's like, you got to be able to pop up super fast and get it going because that first couple yeah. pumps is critical. Yeah, super important. And if yeah. you can't pop up and start going immediately, it's like, you're going to lose it. Yeah. But Dave's really good at it. And his son, Austin, just pops up like nothing and takes mm. off. But anyway, his board is uh, narrow. It's fairly long and he can paddle it at the same time, you know, with a regular paddle. So he's, he's got something that a little bit different. Mine's a little bit longer when I'm on now. I'm always on something that's at least six feet long. Yep. The one board I have is six, six, the other one's six, two, I think. So I need something that I can paddle just to get up. Cause yep. once I'm up, I could pretty much do the whole run, you know, as long as I don't wipe out. But the main thing is I got to get up. So yeah. I, I put people. my feet really far forward so I could drive it and get down that, you know, that trough when it's dropping out below you that you got to chase that at the right time. Yeah. And I just need to be able to paddle as, as good as possible. So once I'm up, I'm not super fast by any means, but I can make the run. Yeah. Yeah. And then so how, how wide is your board? Because that's something a lot of people are asking. My me. board is one of them is 26 and one of them is 25 mm-hmm. inches yeah. wide. So six, six by 25 and probably six, two by 26. Yeah. 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 That's Dave, the- Dave's are closer to 22 and 23. They're pretty narrow. His are thicker, but they're yeah. really narrow. Yeah, and I think that, you know, from, from a race board sort of perspective, the, the width makes a big difference. And I think the length does too, because the length gives you a bit of stability. So yeah. everyone went down to, you know, I think the, the Spencer boys are on like five, six or five, seven. Um, yeah, we're on really five, small boards. I went down to five, ten. I've come back up to six, oh, and that's what I seem to like, six, five, 24. But I think for yeah. people that are learning, longer and narrower, you know, below seven foot still, but and but then narrower than 20, 26, I think is yeah. depending on people's balance. If your balance is better, I think you go as narrow as you can. But um, right. it's um it's been really interesting because the first board I downwinded on was your one, and then and then I got Sonova to make me one, and it was seven two by twenty five, I think. But it was a rectangle; it was a square because we wanted yeah. a bit of stability, and that thing paddled up crazily well just because it was um narrow and long and then we went okay well no one's doing this anymore we've sort of gone the wrong way we went back to short and fat and then you know and dave's boards were like four foot something by 30 something wide those squares that he was in the surf and now he's gone back to stretching it back out again so i find it really interesting the um progression of everything um yeah, definitely the longer, narrower boards paddle in a little bit better. If you can stand yeah. on them, they definitely paddle better. And it's all about getting that, you got to get up to about five miles an hour, you know, so you can get up, stomp on your tail, get up. But if you don't mm. get up to five miles an hour, it's like you're struggling just to pop it up. You know, you got to get yeah. that first initial boost. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, there is also the, the, 
the foil makes a big difference too. And, and I recommend a lot of people to start using the Maliko 280 just so they can get going. And right. I, know you, I know you say it's really slow, especially for a Maliko run, I'd, I'd agree with you. But for like a little bay run or like a beginning of a Kihei run, there's nothing worse than not getting up on a downwind run. I think we can all agree on that. Exactly. But if you can get up on the Maliko 280 and start to link a couple bumps, and sure, everything's probably going a little bit quicker than you. Actually, the first I used the first race I did in, in Australia was um, a race down in Victoria, and it was mainly a surf ski race, and there were a few stand-ups. And no one that I was competing with, so I'm like, oh, I'm going to use the foil. And the winds didn't really show up, and the first kilometer was flat water. And then you turn the can, and the wind slowly built as you went. It was about 12 or 13 kilometers, so you know, eight or nine miles. And the, the gun went off. I got started on the Malika 280 and I got started off the go off the go. And then a jet ski went past. And I'm like, oh goody. Went across to the jet ski and I was pumping along, <laughs> pumping along. And then I got on, I got to the, the first mark before any other uh, surf ski did. And all the surf ski guys were so pissed off because, <laughs> because there was money to the first mark. The, the oh! It's like a hundred bucks for the first person to the mark. And I, <laughs> I knew this. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And I stopped at the first mark because I was just so tired. I was <laughs> Got my hundred bucks. Okay, you guys go. <laughs> I sat down on my board for about five minutes. And I'm like, okay, so I wonder if I can catch him. And I so slowly paddled out to sea, got going on the 280, started linking a few bumps. And then by about, you know, five kilometers in, I started passing all those, the main group. And I saw two guys up front. I'm like, I might, might be able to pass them. Two kilometers to go, I pass the first guy and I'm like, hey mate, how good's this? And he's paddling and looks at me, he's like, just like so grumpy. <laughs> I go flying past, so I beat him by about, you know, three or four minutes in the end. And all it was such a weird finish line because all those surf ski guys were just didn't want to talk to me. And all those <laughs> guys were like, how'd you go? And all this. And yeah, it was a funny experience because all the surf ski guys were just so wow. someone could go faster than them. And I was on the biggest, the, the biggest foil that you can basically paddle even still probably the Maliko 280 I haven't seen anything too much bigger than that I don't think there is one bigger than that one <laughs> <laughs> so that's the I think newer one too that you know back then you probably had the heavier one now they're a lot lighter because the cores are a lot lighter so that that foil now is like two pounds lighter it almost foils up without you doing anything yeah well, it's so much lift. yeah <laughs> it floats think... to the surface it's hard <laughs> like if you got on a small board that thing will turn up sideways and you can't get it back underwater again. Yeah, it's right. got so much location. Yeah. I haven't been on one in a long time. I wonder if I could actually get up in flat water. I doubt it, but I, yeah, I sold mine, but I, I'm, I'm using that prototype. Um, the high aspect prototype you sent me a while ago. Um, and that's what I'm using in the flat water a little bit, but yeah. Uh, the people I'm coaching, I always recommend it to 80 because yes, it seems slow for a foil, but it's still quicker than anything else on the water you know, <laughs> under paddle power anyway. So it's um, really interesting. You know, it's, it feels sluggish once you're up and going, but I think it is still possible in small bumps that it's very easy to link and do an entire run downwind without coming down. And that's what I always say. That's the first goal. If you can downwind and do your entire run without coming down, or if you do come down, get up quickly again, then you're going to yeah. be happy. If you go too small a foil, you'll never get up and you'll never want to do it again. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's one of the things. We've had a couple people over here recently. We're trying to get 
you know, stand up again. And they're like, if they don't get gratification, you know, you want to quit. So better to go too big a foil in the beginning just to make sure you get up. At least mm. there's some gratification. Yeah. And that's, and now you've done a lot of winging <clears throat> and that's, um, that's sort of the new thing. It seems like, and, it, and I understand why, you know, it's way easy to get going. Uh, once you're up, if you come down, you can get up going again easily. Um, if yeah. you, you can use a smaller wing, so you're going faster. Um, so, so tell me about what you've been working on, um, you know, downwinding with your wing and sort of playing around with that. Well, like I was talking before, there's two different styles we're going downwind winging. We do more of the fun style over here on Maui most of the time where we like to go catch those big, you know, bumps that we normally would stand up paddle on and just luff on them and just surf them down the coast. And then when you run out of gas, you sheet in again and, and go again. But most of the time, all of us are, are playing around and doing that. But if it comes to a race, you know, it's more like, you know, sheet in, haul ass, put up the biggest hand wing you can, the smallest foil that you can, and just fly. So that's what happened in the race this past weekend. That We went from, you know, luffing down the coast to, okay, who's, who's the fastest down the coast? And a lot of these people, you know, we had over 50 wingers entered the race. And the Department of Transportation found out about this and said, hey, we don't want you guys coming into the harbor. You could have problems with our boat traffic. There was a boat supposed to leave at two o'clock. <clears throat> and they're like, okay, you guys got to go to Kanaha. We don't want you guys coming in here. It's just going to be helter-skelter, wings all over the place, <laughs> and tugboats going, oh, my God, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we ended up racing, and uh, the usual suspects, it was Finn and Jeffrey Spencer. Jeffrey ends up winning on the wing. My, my uh Nephew Austin won on the kite foil. I've got a kite racing foil that we we make that he was riding and he won the overall, but it was all about the wings. You know, it's mm. more like, okay, who's got bragging rice in all this new sport of winging? So Jeffrey ends up winning. Finn was second. I was third and Alan was fourth. So it's the, the guys that really practice a lot trying to go fast. You know, we're more like uh Finn and Jeffrey did great last year. And of course they did good again this year. They're really, you know, they're, they're shoot 40 something years younger than me. They, <laughs> they got plenty of energy. They practice together all the time. It's, it reminds me of me and my brother when we were windsurfers, we were two brothers. They were real young and always practicing against each other. And you were like two of the fastest guys in the world and you just feed off of each other. So if your training partner is one of the fastest guys in the world and you're one of the fastest guys in the world you start leaving you know everybody else behind so it's yeah. it's a good training uh, regimen that those two brothers have oh for sure yeah and you know on on the malika run and you said this it's been a super windy summer so they're only getting quicker <laughs> well yeah, the beginning late. of the race wasn't that windy but that that really helped those guys because they're, they're taking pretty big wings. They're lighter and they just started going in the beginning. It was like, oh no, this is going to be a long race. <laughs> I'm never going to see those two guys again. <laughs> so um, what size hand wing were you using? Because that's always one of the things I'm, I'm wondering. Basically, you want to take the biggest thing you can hold on to without crashing downwind. So I took a 5.5 wing mm -hmm. and a really small front wing which is, uh, it's about a 650. It's the TKR 80, but it's the newer version. And Alan had the regular TKR 80, which is the 650 square mm -hmm. centimeters. Yeah. So that's what we were riding. 
but Finn and Jeffrey one up us and I think they had a little bit smaller foil on. So yeah, it was yeah. like, oh no, I, did, I thought I had a small foil on. I think I should have gone smaller. Yeah, yeah. And so, and when you're yeah. like, when you're having fun down the coast, so when you're like free winging, like or laughing, yeah. um, are you using the same small foil or are you using a bigger foil? I would assume. No, I like to use a bigger foil. So it depends on how much I want to glide. Hmm. If I really want to glide, I'll put on something like a 1250 centimeters, which is like our NL160. Mm-hmm. I can glide forever on it. And usually your hand wing, you can go, you can afford to go a little smaller now. And you can control it while you're luffing. It's a little bit more fun than having that big 5.5 five on. You know, that yeah. thing's pretty unruly, you know, going downwind. So in general, when you're luffing, bigger front wing, smaller hand wing. Yeah. And I like how you're calling it a hand wing because a lot of the time people are like, you know, are using a smaller, smaller wing and then a bigger wing. It's like, which is the wing? <laughs> yeah, which is the wing? <laughs> Too many wings. We had, that, we had that problem when uh, Ken Winter, you know, designed the first uh, duotone foil wings. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to call this a foil wing. And I'm like, oh, no, this is going to confuse the heck out of all of us, you know. And yeah. sure enough, it's like, the foil, the wing, the da, da 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 It's like, oh, come on, Ken, you, you messed this all up. Now we got to call it a hand wing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I call it a wing-a-ding, just a wing-a-ding and then a front wing. And then it's, yeah. you know, you need a, some sort of difference, some point of difference. Yeah, exactly. You get confused. <laughs> I, I usually say foil wing and hand wing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, the other day when I was explaining what I did with the, with the pump in my backpack and I, I said to my mate Zane, I was talking about what I did and he's like, and I said, oh, you know, I, and if I came down, I just pumped up and he's like, oh yeah. Like he said, like, I didn't see you go out with a paddle though. Cause like when you paddle, you got to pump up onto the foil. And I was like, oh no, no, no. I didn't pump up. I like, <laughs> like kite pumped. I was like pumping the wing up. <laughs> oh, that's, that's another one to get confused. another one. So we're talking about oh. pumping, you know, pumping or pumping and then pumping the winding up or pumping the foil up and it was you know just we're like yeah. oh, i don't know what i don't know what anything is anymore it was um yeah, so confusing um what i want to ask um about the oh what was it i had a good question <laughs> what size um what size boards are you using when you're downwinding on the on the you know with the wing i know that was what i wanted to ask what do you find that when you're winging with the down winging, do you find the wing gets in your way a little bit? Like, or what are you doing with it? Because I find in um, super windy conditions, and that's the reason I deflate, that the wing kind of makes me having to, if, if the wind's straight down the barrel, I've got to sort of run across a lot more and sort of zigzag more so that the wing stays downwind of me. Whereas when I go straight downwind on those big bumps, it's like I've got my blindfold on because the, the wing just is like right in the road yeah it does kind of get in the way a little bit and it's some of the stuff too you've got to uh if you start getting your apparent wind and you start dropping in on a big bomb and there's not that much wind to keep your wing in front of you you almost got to like you hold on it with one hand and then the other hand you lift up the back edge of it to, to keep it from coming to you yeah so you have two hands on it while you're riding a big bomb you know so there's a bunch of different things to learn when you're when you're winging downwind and that's one of them it's like if you got too much apparent wind lift up the trailing edge so it doesn't collapse and come to you and get you know and just backwind you yeah yeah the other thing i do when i'm riding downwind you probably do the same thing is if i'm going right i put the wing in my left hand and i go that way and then when i come back left 
I switch my hand and go in my right hand and go left the other way. Yeah. Just so that it's kind of, you can balance this way. You know, it's easier yeah. to balance that way. Yeah. So when I go right, it's in my left. When I go left, it's in my right. Yeah. Cause if you don't do that, it's you just, that, that's, that's what is, um, that's why I haven't gravitated towards it fully because I, I can paddle up downwind. So it's like, if I can get up downwind and not have a wing, then it's, I can go wherever I want. Whereas when I have the wing, it's like, I got to adjust. I put the wing over here. I've put the wing over here. It's in my face. I got to lift it up over my head. And it's like all these little, you know, tiny little adjustments. And, and if, if you don't know how to, if you can't paddle up, it, you wouldn't ever notice that it's a nuisance. But if, yeah. if you know how to downwind without the wing, it's like, oh, you know, if only I could get rid of this thing, then I could just ride the bumps. And it's, yeah. um, you know, it's, some of the wings too they luff better than other wings too so um you know some of the ones like with especially with the boom it's harder mm. to luff that thing with it it tries to rock a little bit it's great for racing around especially upwind but downwind it doesn't luff as easy as some of the other wings they kind of just sit a little bit easier than the ones with the boom yeah, but like, uh, the, like the weight of the boom sort of moves it around a little bit more too yeah there's something going on there with the boom and the dihedral or something i'm not exactly a lot of the other ones have dihedral that left pretty well so it's got to do maybe something you you could be right with the boom i'm not sure the what i did when i used to ride duotone all the time i would hold the, the wing with one the middle one and then i would touch it on the main bladder with my other hand so it couldn't rock so when yep. I was at the gorge and I'm ripping downwind, I would just stabilize that thing with the other hand. I didn't want yeah. it doing this while I'm in the middle of my turns and stuff. Nah, it's terrifying. It really puts you off. And that's, yeah, that's why I've, that's why I've gone to day fighting it. Get it out of the way. Put it under the ground <laughs> like a rugby ball and away you go. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a yeah. lot of fun um, playing around with that. Now it, it, I was chatting to um, Matt Coe, so I want to get him on to, to chat to him. But he's, he's starting to like he's calling it boogie foil downwinding so he's got flippers and a little prone board and he's literally kicking onto the bump and then jumping up to his feet and downwinding like that and it's he hasn't successfully done it yet so i'm like yeah we'll talk to you when you've done it successfully but he said he got up yesterday in 15 knots got up to his feet and he went to try and take his fins off and he fell down oh that sounds really tricky that's what i thought too but his theory was you know when you're downwind you want a smaller board because a smaller board is less weight so like if you're towing into bumps with a jet ski it's really nice because you've got you know a small board and you can use a smaller foil and you can pump better you know when we're supping or when we're winging we're using these bigger boards that are you know a little bit heavier marginally and so therefore that's a disadvantage so he's saying if i can kickboard a boogie board into a bump downwind and then get to my feet then that's got to be better and i'm like i i agree with his theory but i said talk to me when you've done it <laughs> yeah i could see that sounds great in theory but you got to be a, a heck of an athlete to be able to pull that off <laughs> that's what i thought you know from a little board kicking to jumping up to your feet to taking your fins off to me that's something pretty tricky your but fins off that's got to be really tricky yeah take but, your fins off don't lose them uh yeah get your feet in the right place oh yeah. man on a little board too there's a lot going on there but and he was saying that me deflating the wing was that's a lot going on and i said well not really anyone can deflate a wing you know especially 
you know, you can deflate it in the water, but if you're foiling, if you have enough time on foil, it's not that hard to just pull the deflate valve and then you just sort of, the wing kind of just deflates and, you know, you just wrap it up under your arm and just, <laughs> that'll do. Then you just hold on. Yeah. And so he was saying what I was doing was too hard. I was saying what he was doing was too hard. <laughs> and we kind of both agreed that let's keep doing what we're doing and then let's figure out a way to teach other people to do it. And then <laughs> we go from there. <laughs> It's true though what you say about going downwind. There's the people that have already learned how to do it. They really love to do it. They don't have the wing. They they're free out there. They could surf wherever they want. You know, we have a crew over here of about ten people that they don't really want to go downwind winging. They because they've learned. They spent all this time learning how to stand up downwind, and it's they just have so much fun doing it. They don't want to wing downwind. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's another skill set. And, and what I found is with the winging, I really love it when the wind direction isn't perfect. So when we get westerlies here, you know, that's straight offshore. So we go into our like bays and sort of harbours and you can do, what we do is we wing upwind because it's like a national park. It's hard to get up there. So we wing upwind and then we, you can either free wing down or you can pack down and, and paddle down or, or deflate and go down. And that's, um, it's like opens up another avenue, whereas you can't, um, you're not paddling upwind. Otherwise, you got to wait for a boat that comes, you know, once a day, and it's a bit of a hassle. And the tides have got to be right and all this sort of stuff. Um, and then when the conditions are good, when you get good southerlies or good northeasterlies, then I'll paddle because it's, um, you know, it's straight along the coast and you know it's easy to access. Um, but the wing just opens up all these avenues. And then obviously, when the winds, we get these, you know, northwest or southwest winds, and our beaches are sort of facing all these different directions. So surfing the wing in those funny direction winds like offshore winds is awesome because yeah. you know you've got you can you literally pull off the wave and you just wing straight back out to the takeoff zone and then catch another wave and you pull off and straight it's like it's like having your own jet ski you know when the wind's right nothing's going to go wrong it seems and then all of a sudden the wind drops and you've got this wing and you've got this board and they're all useless <laughs> you <gotta laughs> paddle your way in but it's um the the carrot that is like having to you know catch all these waves doing these loops is always it's so worth it because it's like oh, I found myself so many times go out and the wind isn't strong enough and I'm trying to get going and there's all these people paddling into waves and I'm like oh, I, I should have just surfed today <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah um yeah so what about the wing boards like what you know you're you, you've worked on your wings like the hand wings with GoFall and and you've come out with a bunch of boards now too so you don't want to talk about I'll talk about those ones while we're while we're here. Yeah, the boards uh, decided to come up with some wing boards because we have problems over here getting you know proper wing boards. It's a uh, there seem to be lots of wings, the hand wings coming out. There's lots of foils, but there's not like tons of boards to put them on. So we decided that we're going to make the whole package so that they could come straight to us and just buy you know the, the hand wing, the foil, the board, and they're all matched together. You know to where you don't have to worry about stuff. You could call somebody and go, hey. Well, I'm feeling this. Well, what should I do? You know, show them exactly how you should set it up. Or if they're here, I could just jump on their board and go, this is what it's supposed to feel like. And this is how you got to get learned to ride. Because some people, you know, have their, you know, they, they ride a little bit differently than what the norm does. So you try to educate them that this is what it should feel like. So get your feet a little more forward or whatever. But our boards are, we went four, six for their first one. It's going to be a four, six, five, oh, five, six, six, oh make it nice and simple they're all six inches apart 
And we're like at 45 liters, 85 liters, 105 liters, and 135 liters. So we're kind of spread it out. We're going to make, you know, maybe some smaller ones in between the 44 and the, the 85 liters, maybe in the future, just because as we progress, you would think more of the wingers will get on smaller boards eventually. Yeah. You know, it's more fun being on a smaller board, but shoot, some places you can't be on a smaller board. You're sinking, yeah, you're yeah. underwater. It's, there's not a lot of reward on some days. On the good days, there's a lot of reward. On the bad days, there's a lot of suffering. So yeah, you got to have you know, stuff for everything. And we've got foot straps where you've got options for two up forward, like you're on a windsurf wave board. So that 45 degrees, one in the back in the middle, or you can turn them sideways. Like if you, if you just ride one direction, you know, and you go toe side the other direction. So there's one more in the center, or if you're trying to ride it stand up foiling or something, you're just, or towing, you have, you know, options for that also. And the first round of boards will all be a plate and a tuttle. So you can use whichever, because we've made lots of tuttles, lots of plates. And it's like, you didn't want to, you know, the guy goes, oh, I wanted to have a plate. Oh, I wanted to have a tuttle. It's like, okay, never mind. On the first run, we'll put both of them on. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the gist of the boards. The boards are, they're a little bit different. They're made to be a wing oriented board so there's a lot of flotation up forward because when the boards get shorter if there's not a lot of thickness up forward you end up sinking those boards so uh when it's you know really windy you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff but when it's lighter i like having a little more flotation up forward on a wing board Mm, makes sense yeah and what you're saying about like i've just got in this new board that marcus designed me it's far uh, sorry it's 410 and it's about 50 58 or 59 liters i i sink it and i can just duck dive it but to get going on a light day it's possible but i need a big hand wing right um on i went out just yesterday and a three meter wing three it looked windy three and i used a three and a half meter wing in my and i probably would have gotten going on my floater so like you talk about floaters or sinkers on a floater i probably would have got going on my three four hand wing because i was sinking I had to take out a, a five meter hand wing. So, you know, there's the, you got to think about that extra bit of power just to, you know, boost you up onto the surface. You get up to the surface. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, that's like, you know, you're talking your 45 liter obviously is a sinker and then your 85 liter obviously a floater. And that's, um, I like how that's been like the new terminology, you know, is it a sinker or is it a floater? Like, yeah. Oh, this is my sinker and this is my floater. You know, it's, um, it's funny how the wing is going that way. We used that terminology when we were windsurfing. There was, you know, I'm riding yeah. a sinker today. You know, it was, it was a big deal, you know, when we first started riding sinkers. Yeah. yeah. You had to yeah. water start yeah. them. There's no more of this up ball stuff. Yeah. Riding my sinker. So same thing is coming on with the, with this winging. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, so I want to start wrapping up. Um, so you can get on with your day and I can get started with my day. Um, let's, let's finish up with a couple, like, I guess you, you've done probably more sup downwind paddles than anyone else. Um, and you've done a bunch of the wing downwinders too. So, so why don't you, you give us, uh, you know, a couple tips for, for both. So starting with the sup downwind paddle, two tips for that. And then two tips for the hand wing downwind winger. Okay, so with the with the stand up, if you're first learning how to do this, you want to 
Make sure you have a fairly big board so that you can paddle it fairly well. Don't take something that's super small in the beginning. It's really hard to get up on these small boards. You gotta be a really good paddler or catch a wave right at the right time. So make sure your board is, you know, a really good paddler and don't waste all of your energy on catching stuff that is not rideable. Try and figure out that, okay, when you feel the back of your board start going up, you're kind of like looking at the trough dropping out away from you. Try to go after that. That's the time to go. Don't wait too long because you got to go at the, the exact second, go really hard. The other thing, once you get up, you've got to have a plan. So when you're first dropping in, you're like looking, going, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going that way. I'm going to follow that trough to the right. I'm going to follow it to the left. Have a plan because in the beginning, what you're doing is I just want to get up. You get up and you're like, oh, now I'm down. It's like you had no plan. So it's like paddle, have a plan, catch it, get up, take off with that plan and don't stop paddling. You got to go another 10 paddles or so and get your speed up before you can continue to keep going. You got to get a little bit of speed going. Don't just think that, hey, I'm up and it's all over. Go an extra, you know, at least five or 10 paddles, follow it and have a very good plan of to where you're going. The thing with about stand-up paddling, everybody thinks it's like surfing. I'm going to drop in, I'm going to go into that trough and I'm going to be riding that trough. No, it's about the wave face and you're up high on it. You know, a lot of times you're going sideways and that's where the energy is up high on these waves. Mm -hmm. It's not drop in on it, get out in front of it like you're surfing. It's more like, okay, turn, get up high, take that speed down the line. And that's where all the energy is downwind. And it's not these big giant waves. It's you're trying to catch these little ones and there's a lot of energy there. You just don't realize it's there until you've done it a few times. You got to try and, okay, I got to find this energy off this little knee high thing they're talking about. That's, it's not possible. No, it is possible. You've got to learn how to stay high on these little knee highs and keep it going. Dave is really good at this. Dave weighs 200, 210 pounds and he can just stay up at the slowest speed by riding these little things. He would come inside the harbor, there's nothing there. And somehow he makes it to the ramp. I'm just gassed. I can't keep going. I don't know what he's doing. It's like, what's the secret? He's just about being in the right place on these little teeny waves. And you watch him. He doesn't go crazy, you know, and pumping and to get to the ramp. No, he's kind of cruising. And it's like, the guy's a freak. What the hell is he doing? I don't know what he's doing. He's got magic. <laughs> so magic foil thing, on. Yeah, he's... So in the beginning too, take a big foil, try and just concentrate on, I want to get up, see how far I can go. Get up, have a plan, stick to the plan, try to ride on the high side up from these troughs. And then you're zigging and zagging. When one runs out, take a left back the other way. If you're going right and it's running out, of look, kind of always keep your eyes open because you got to have a plan. Where am I going? Where am I going? Where am I going? Mm. run out of yeah, speed so a, turn kind of accelerate your speed again but when you turn think of getting back up high again yeah up on that side of that wave that's where the energy is don't just, just turn and go out in the flat because it's all over you're just going to go and bog down so, yeah that's a really good tip once you get up have a plan and a lot of the time the plan is get across and by going yeah. across it allows the next bump to catch you up and then all of a sudden you're up high on this bump and when you're on that then you, as you say let you it's very rare that you go straight downwind. 
right. when you're downwind foiling anything only if you're like on a really big sort of ocean swell but that's not what you're doing when you first start you're not doing that across, hard right hard left and, and compared to like stand up or any other sport downwinding you know when you're downwind on a canoe or a stand up you, you're sort of doing like you know 30 degrees left 30 degrees right on a foil you can go 90 degrees left or even 100 degrees left and 100 degrees right there's yeah. way more area to play with and you've got to understand that have your plan and put that plan into action yeah the other thing is if it all goes bad you're running out of juice you can't go left can't go right it's falling away from you look behind you upwind mm. and then sometimes the next swell is there so before you lose your speed you have your plan that you'll start to get good at this you'll feel that hey i'm losing speed i got to do something real quick you turn and go back upwind get to where that wave face is and then come back downwind sideways again so don't always think forward, forward, forward. Sometimes you got to look back to find your next little bit of energy. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely what I found is sometimes behind is is the last option, you know, or, yeah. or the, the second last option. option. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, hey, don't wait too long for your options though. You got to have a little bit of speed, mm. otherwise you lose everything. Yeah, make that decision early. Don't wait till it's too late. Yeah, yeah. You got to be and actually. That's what Dave was saying. He's like, when you make a decision, downwind foiling. You've got to stick to it and you can't hesitate. If you think you've got to go right and then you think, oh no, I should go left, you're down. If you think yeah. you, go right, you go right, if you think you go left, you go left. If you think you go straight, you go straight. And no matter what it is, you've got to commit wholeheartedly to that decision. If yeah. you don't, then you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Hesitation. You feel your foil. It's like all of a sudden it goes up and then you feel it stalling and it just comes oh. down. <laughs> A little hesitation to make the decision. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I feel that up. Oh no. And you're like, try to paddle, 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 nothing. Boom, down. Stall. Um, and then what about some tips for the, the downwind wingers? The downwind wingers, the, the, the tip for that would be if you want to race, you want to take the biggest wing possible, the smallest foil possible. If you want to try and luff down the coast and just surf it and have fun, you, in general, take a big front wing and a, a, a little bit smaller hand wing. That'll help you with being able to surf down the coast and have a lot of fun and be able to glide. So there's two different ways of, of doing that. And the other thing you want to, you want to kind of be safe too. So take a, a phone with you. If it's a big run or something, take, take your phone with you in a waterproof case, just get on Amazon or whatever, and just get that waterproof case. Cause you never know when you're going to need it. If you flip upside down out there and you do something crazy, like I was too far offshore to swim in, put a hole in your wing and you're like oh no this could be a long day so makes that's a good idea is to have your phone with you like when we stand up paddle downwind on the maliko run i always take my phone with me just yeah. in case I, hey carla could you pick me up halfway happen anymore but yeah. it used early days yeah yeah no, so even still sometimes i say um to, to my wife lana I'm like oh okay i'm gonna I'm going to go all the way, you know, mainly to Palm Beach. And then I get, you know, halfway and the wind just is completely conked out or it's, you know, gone offshore. And I'll be like, oh, I got to call her. Lana, can you pick me up at Newport? You know, because it's, <laughs> I'm not going to make it. <laughs> it's not going to be option. Yeah. Be safe. Better to be yeah. safe. Some of our buddies over here even have an E-perb with them. <laughs> yeah. They're why they them get an E-perb. <laughs> I paddled with a flare the other day because I couldn't find my EPIRB. I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm, going, I'm with the wing. If something goes wrong, I could, you know, put a hole in the wing. I might be a long paddle. So, yeah, 
I couldn't. Follow. We're lucky over here because the wind's sideshore or a little bit onshore. It's huge. Generally, we're not going to get you know way offshore. But where you're at, especially if it's a little side off, you know, it's mm. like, hey, it's a big ocean if things go wrong. Yeah, I, I literally I lost a hand wing the other day. I was surfing a spot and I, I pulled off a wave and the next one behind was way bigger and I had nowhere to go and the wind died on me. And this, you know, six footer landed right on my head, broke the leash to my leg rope, broke the leash to my hand wing. And I'm sitting in the water like, hmm, now what? And the wind was like west, southwest. And so I, long story short, I found the board and then I almost got to the hand wing and it just went tumbling out to sea. And, um, Oh, gone. Oh, so there was no one. It was a jet ski, and he, he, I waved him down, and he went left instead of right. And, and you know, it's gone now. It was a sad story, but it's gone. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I know to use a stronger leash next time or just not, not try to duck dive a wave with my wing. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're paddling up. This happened to me the other day. You're paddling after your wing. A friend of mine lost his, his leash came off paddling after paddling after it and then it just seems to take off right when you get to it yeah it's like yeah boom now it's like 50 yards and it's like pretty soon it's another 100 yards and it just, like, yeah it gets longer and longer no way to catch it yeah it's so hard um i got i was paddling after i got probably within 50 meters of it and then all of a sudden it just went over a wave and it just took off and flipped about five times into the air and I, I almost gave up and I kept paddling again. And then it just, I could still see it, but it was just kilometers, <laughs> kilometer away. And I'm like, it's a long way out to sea. What if I don't get it? And I looked back in and I was already about, you know, a kilometer out. So I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Cut my losses. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, um, I would have quit a lot sooner than that. <laughs> Getting a kilometer off the beach. <laughs> well, where the wave is, is about 800 meters off the beach. So I hadn't oh. paddled too far yet. It was just... The Still further, wave. <laughs> yeah the further you go it's like it's like surfing like um uppers you know once yeah. you imagine you're uppers in a, in a like a southerly wind instead of a northerly wind you know so yeah yeah that's sketchy yeah, yeah it's sketchy um so i should have known but that's the risk you take for those waves <laughs> yeah well yeah, we, thank you thank we, you alex yeah the winds over here because we're kind of scared you know because it's kind of sketchy but shoot you're doing that kind of stuff all the time <laughs> yeah we don't have much wind a lot of the time like in winter all our winds are offshore so it's yeah you either go out or you just sit in the beach and do nothing yeah, yeah. strong leashes and a telephone yeah <laughs> exactly yeah well, well, thanks, Alex, for coming on. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you. Um, it's it's been a little while since we've since we've spoken, but um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the gorge. Yeah, I'm ex excited to watch you guys at the gorge. We're not allowed to leave Australia. We're not allowed to leave Sydney at the moment. Ten kilometers oh, from our home, so yeah, we're we're stuck here. I'll keep doing podcasts to catch up with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So um, good luck over there, and um keep keep doing what you're doing because i'm really enjoying all the gear you've been putting out and um excited to try some of the new stuff that you've been yeah, you'll like the new stuff yeah awesome well thanks alex and speak to you next time all right james nice talking to you see ya